Money, Riches, and Wealth is sponsored by the Financial Consulate. Say you don't need no diamond rings and I'll be satisfied. Tell me that you want the kind of things the money just can't buy. This is Talk Radio 680 WCBM. Time now for Money, Riches, and Wealth. Here's your host, Drew Tignanelli. This is Drew Tignanelli here Money, Riches, and Wealth. Wednesday night, uh, almost the end of the year, Chris. Uh, Christopher John O'Shea is co-host tonight. So uh, if you'd like to call in, we're doing an open show as usual. We're uh, taking your questions. You get to call in and ask the questions. 410-922-6680. You get to call in and direct the conversation so that I can't see the clock now, Chris. I, uh, there you go. Uh, there, that's it. Because Anita screams at me when I do when I go over too long, you know. Anyway, Anita is uh, so harsh at times, you know. She is. I She's the most you, gentle you know? person that uh, you know. And to and to and to say that about. <laughs> well, you're there in person. I wouldn't call her anything less than gentle too, because she'll rip your head off. You know? <laughs> you're making Anita sound like she is really. You know, she is the best. You know. <laughs> She's a good heart, and, and when I come in there, she looks at me, and she says, Now, Drew, you behave yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and again, if she was the most gentle person, it wouldn't carry any threat behind it. So we know that there's, 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 some, pa- there's some force behind that, too. That's true. force behind anyway, the quiet ones. We're, we're here on an open show, Chris, 410-922-6680. If you want to call and ask a question, 410-922-6680 is your chance to direct the conversation and say, this is the topic that I want to talk about right now, and if you could help me with this, this would be extremely beneficial. 410-922-6680 if you'd like to call in and ask that question. And Chris will uh, let me know who's online, and then we'll go take each one in order. So uh, lines are totally open right now. 410-922-6680. Call in early, and you get the most amount of time. If you call in later, all of a sudden the phones get jammed up. So uh, give us a call, 410-922-6680. Yeah, that's what we're waiting. It looks like uh, Bert from Lutherville just jumped on. So let's go there. All right. Bert, hi. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you for taking a question. Um, I have a sister about uh, about a week and a half ago uh, deceased. I'm 73. She's 71. Was. And she had property, lived in, in Washington, but she also had property at uh, Lewis, uh, a fairly good-sized, uh, valuable property. Anyway, long story short, her executor had everything, and she was a lawyer, but she was pretty good about this thing, kind of put in a trust. The will itself was in a trust, and I'm just finding out yesterday that the uh, house looks like it's going to be sent over the deed to me as her brother. She only had a sister and myself. What I'm asking is the taxes. Are there taxes if it was done right in a trust? Uh, I know you don't have it in front of you, but it, um, would she have set it up where I, you know there's not like an inheritance tax to pay to get the house? What uh, what state thing? what state was she a resident of? Maryland, she Delaware, in Maryland, Washington. She was a lawyer in in Wheaton, Maryland. So, so she she lived in Maryland. She had a home in uh, Lewis, Delaware, right? Right, but used for income and rental yes and she had a property in the state of washington did you say or washington no, dc no, no. she lived in washington we 
I, I oh, well, well, Montgomery County, excuse me. Right. Okay. So, okay. So she owned a personal home in, in Whedon, the state of Maryland, right. and that was her personal residence. Then she had the rental, whatever, in Lewis, Delaware. So here's right. how it worked. Because she did a revocable trust, okay? Right. Um, and in Delaware, this is something that the people in Delaware need to think about. You know, that if you, if you go through probate in Delaware, there's cost involved in Delaware. So you normally want to avoid probate in Delaware. Now, revocable right. trust isn't the only way to do it. But it is a good way to do it for a lot of people. So uh, putting that property in the revocable trust in Delaware and coming to you via the revocable trust will mean that you will pay no uh, expenses uh, to Delaware to get that piece of property deeded over to you, other than maybe a you know a, a deed registration, a stamp or a license or something. yeah, yeah, five hundred, maybe a thousand bucks at the very most. Uh, but also, you won't pay any capital gains tax on the uh, on the property because she probably fully depreciated. If he, she had sold that property a week before, she'd probably paid a boatload of taxes on selling it. But well, you get a full had, step up in basis. About ten years ago, she had it built. I did not even realize that this was a very sudden death that happened. You, no details needed, but it happened immediately. It was a heart attack sort of deal. So I didn't even know this property was coming over. We never discussed it at all, and I was kind of shocked. It's worth over a million, and it's, but I'm just wondering about taxes. And You're not uh, going to pay any taxes. You're not going to pay any capital gains tax because you get a right. full step up in basis. And you're not going to pay an inheritance tax or probate fees to uh, Delaware. So, you know, maybe a thousand bucks, maybe two thousand, three thousand when you get the lawyer finished and everything. So, you know, it's all keep yours, a hundred percent tax free. Taxes, taxes and the uh, homeowners association. What about that? I, no, I'm saying the only thing it seems like I have to do now is because uh, it was paid in full is just. The, uh, yeah, well, you're going to have to pay the property taxes from now on. You're going to have to pay the homeowners fees from now on. You're going to. Was there any mortgage on the property? I'm assuming no. no. It was, looks like she had just about got it paid off. I have a house, a condo in Ocean City, but much smaller than this. So I, I, she used it as an income, like a cash cow. So I, it yeah. makes sense just to keep it like that or I'm just you could do that. that that's perfectly fine you get to totally redepreciate it again but you're but you're uh, fortunate you should uh you know realize that this is a, an incredible uh, piece of property that you've her. inherited when i see her in a few years myself i was yeah. older than her but i guess if i just uh, sell it uh it would it would be just free and clear there would be any pretty much free and clear my friend i gotta run great I question excellent question and the people in Delaware should remember revocable trust is something that you need to consider. And that's it. Not necessarily in Maryland, Chris, but Delaware, definitely something to think about. Anyway, we've got to take a pause with traffic. We'll be right back. Money, riches, and wealth. This is Drew Tignanelli, and I have a question for you. Is your financial advisor a doctor of personal financial advice? Do you get strategies to reduce taxation, Social Security, Medicare advice, sophisticated retirement planning, investment allocation strategies, estate planning, or help with any issue of money? It is time you do a financial physical with me and my team at the consulate and experience the difference. You hear the depth of knowledge we have about personal finance, so do a financial physical and you'll experience what we believe an advisor should do for you. They should be independent, experienced, credentialed, fee-only, comprehensive fiduciaries. They should be a doctor of personal finance and not salespeople selling you products. 
Set up an introductory meeting by calling 410-823-SAVE, 410-823-SAVE, or go online, financialphysical.com. That's financialphysical.com. It's time you experience the difference. back to more of Money, Riches, and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. All right, we're back. Money, Riches, and Wealth. Uh, Drew Tignanelli here with Christopher John O'Shea. And uh, if you want to get online, we do have lines open. We have Charlie coming up in a second or two. But I uh, wanted to let you know how you could get online with us and be next up after Charlie. 410-922-6680. Direct the conversation to what will be most beneficial to you, 410-922-6680, just like Bert did. Bert talking about estate planning in the state of Delaware and how's it going to affect him as what he inherited and so forth. And But you know, maybe you have a different question. So Security, Medicare, Roth conversions, uh, IRAs, 401ks, life insurance, long-term care, auto home, whatever, college planning, I don't know, whatever your topic is, 410-922-6680. Let's go see what Charlie's up to. Chris. Charlie, hi. Thanks for waiting. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Always great. I enjoy the show very much. Well, thank and you. coming into the holidays, there's something that's really been bothering me, and it, it has to do with interest rate swaps and nonprofits. And uh, Drew, here's the background. I, I, I did a deep dive, some, something I've supported for many years, and it, they lost $5 million. And, and it's a, uh, listen, every 503 doesn't have enough money, but this, this one is in deep trouble, and even more so as we see more in the headlines. Would you recommend a money manager, whether it's in-house or outside, that the nonprofit invest in interest rate swaps? Now, first of all, you've got to know what one is, and I did interviews in this, and most of the people that I talked to didn't have a clue, but that's what... I don't well, think they. I mean, I I know I know wholeheartedly what an interest rate swap is, and it depends on the uh, the charity and do they have a large pool of uh, bonds that they hold on to, like as a foundation, uh, you know, uh, endowment or something of that sort. You're missing my point. You're missing here. You're missing my point. The point is not the return. The money has been donated. The person who donated the money got the benefit, okay? Now, they manage it, and whatever their advice is. Now, me, when I find out now that this outfit that can't afford to take the risk, any risk, no matter how solid you're... How but you, you don't, you don't, you're not letting me explain to you. Major corporations do this all the time to reduce risk. They buy interest rate swaps to reduce the risk of certain uh, interest rate movements on the other side of the swap. And if for some reason that charity had a large portfolio of bonds and they felt that in order to protect those bonds from the downside, 
they would engage in an interest rate swap. That could be a reason they're doing it. Charlie, I'm not I'm not defending them. I don't know the situation, but I'm just saying that interest rate swaps and interest and, and default risk swaps are something that institutions have used for years to minimize risk, not to increase risk. People don't buy interest rate swaps, or I should say, most institutions don't buy interest rate swaps to invest in like it's a it's something they're going to make money in that's what speculators do and institutions normally buy these swaps because there's something going on in their organization that runs risk if interest rates move in this direction it's going to be even more of a risk than five million dollars so they buy the swaps to minimize that risk now i'm not saying that's why they did it maybe they are speculating and then you should be up in an uproar about it i'm just saying that swaps and derivatives are normally used to minimize risk not as a trading tool okay all right they both all right that's great i got the i understand the risk end I, my point was really just uh, yeah you're, you're what you're saying is what you're saying is perfectly logical if they're stupid enough to be doing to be doing uh, uh, interest rate swaps as a as an investment. You know, when I put money in my giveaway account, I'm not worried about the return. I've got the return. I've right, my return, personal return. Obviously, I want the portfolio to grow, but I'm not going to live forever anyway. So that's just a bottom line. Anyway, it's just a point that yep. bothered me. Ran a holidays. Right. I mean, Good point. You know, I got to run talk. because I got a couple people now that I got to run to next. Oh, but I hope I, got, I hope I got some extra audience for you. God bless. Yeah, you. that's Happy a good holidays. good point that you brought up, and Happy we got to go, Chris. So and we're going to Sean. Sean, right, thanks, the Charlie. Eastern Shore. Uh, we are. We're going to go, Sean. Sean, hi. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Great show. Love the show. I got a question. My primary <clears throat> in Maryland. We have a house in Bethany Beach. And I have a will drawn up in Maryland that basically, you know, gives everything to my, my, my family and my wife. And my question is, do I have to do something special in Delaware in case uh, of my death that I need? So what do you what do you own in Delaware, Sean? It's a single home uh, on Bethany Beach. Oops. Does Anita got that? Is Sean there? Sean, are you still there? Sean? All right. Well, let me answer his question. Hopefully you're listening right now, Sean. You don't need to call back in. So when you own a piece of property in another state, so you own a place down in Bethany, okay, and let's say it's in you and your wife's name jointly, okay, Sean and, and, and Julie own a property in Eastern Shore, okay, uh, I mean uh, in Bethany, Delaware, but yet they live in Maryland. If, if Sean and his wife both pass away, the children would have to go and probate that asset in Delaware as well as probate the rest of his state back in Maryland. And so normally when you own a piece of real estate in another state than your resident state, it's good to figure out how to get it out of probate so that family's not probating in multiple states. 
and especially a state like Delaware, where there are fees for the assets that go through probate, and they can be as high as like three or four percent of the uh, of the value of the probate estate. So you normally want to avoid probate in Delaware, but you definitely want to avoid it if it is your, not your primary state anyway. So if you had a uh, uh, a uh, uh, vacation home in in Florida, you'd want that Florida property to pass to your beneficiaries without going through probate because your family would have to probate in Maryland and then they'd have to go to Florida and probate. And if you flip it like I did and you had a piece of property, you're, you're a resident of Florida, but you still own property back in Maryland, you want to get that out of the your name and into another name such that it would go outside of probate so your children don't have to probate everything in Florida and then open up another probate in Maryland. So that's the answer to the question. But, Sean, if I didn't answer it all, call back. We'll definitely get to it. 410-922-6680. Let's go to Dave in Parkville, see if we can get at least his question before we have to take a break. Dave, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Uh, my wife passed away this past spring, and I just sold our primary residence for the past six-plus years. Uh, can I still file a joint tax return for the year, or is it prorated? No, you, it's 100% joint still this year. So you, if you were married on day one and your spouse dies, you get to file joint tax return last time this year. Next year, you file single. Okay, very good. So the tax uh, capital gains uh, on the sale of the house is still a ceiling of uh, two hundred. Well, you should uh, no, it'll be five hundred thousand this year. But it doesn't matter because here's what's going to happen. This is very important, Dave, and it's something that can easily be missed. So you get a step up in basis to the value of the house for your 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 spouse. Okay. So, um, 629, so Drew. You got to. So, Dave, hold on. I'm going to answer that when I come back, okay? Okay. All right. Hold on. This is Drew Tignanelli, and I have a question for you. Is your financial advisor a doctor of personal financial advice? Do you get strategies to reduce taxation, Social Security, Medicare advice, sophisticated retirement planning, investment allocation strategies, estate planning, or help with any issue of money? It is time you do a financial physical with me and my team at the consulate and experience the difference. You hear the depth of knowledge we have about personal finance, so do a financial physical and you'll experience what we believe an advisor should do for you. They should be independent, experienced, credentialed, fee-only, comprehensive fiduciaries. They should be a doctor of personal finance and not salespeople selling you products. Set up an introductory meeting by calling 410-823-SAVE, 410-823-SAVE, or go online, financialphysical.com. That's financialphysical.com. It's time you experience the difference. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. Now back to more of Money, Riches, and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBS. And we're back. Money, Riches, and Wealth here. We're on an open show. So if you want to call in, 410-922-6680. Dave's on the line. I'm going to answer Dave's question. 
410-922-6680 if you want to call in. Uh, so, Dave, are you still there? Dave? I'm here. Ah, there you are. Hey, Dave, so um, so think about the step up in basic. So let's say you uh, you bought the house for 300000 and let's say that the house appreciated to a million dollars, okay? So if you sold it, you had an $800,000 gain while you were married, right? You had only gotten a $500,000 capital gain exclusion. Seven, right. Or $700,000 gain. Right. And, uh, and you would have only gotten a $500,000 capital gain exclusion, okay? Your wife passes away, and you get a step up in basis. So here's how that works. So you take the value of the house, and let's call it a million dollars. And so half of that is 500000 That's your step up on her share. All right. The other share is the uh, 300000 you paid. So you take that and half of that, that's 150000 and you add the two together. That's your $650,000 um, cost basis in the property. And then you get another $250,000 capital gain exclusion so that brings you up to nine hundred thousand dollars so if you sold it for a million you would have a hundred thousand dollar capital gain still got it okay but you see that step up in basis is more powerful than the five hundred thousand dollar capital gain exclusion or it should be you know correct and you also get to add all the the uh, um, capital improvements you did since the day you bought it. So let's say you put a new roof on, you did a new kitchen, da-da-da-da-da, and that was another $100,000. All those capital improvements, you'd have to take 50% of them if that was before your wife passed away, and you would add that to your cost basis side. And then if you did any improvements after she passed away or you did any expenses to sell the house you would add that in. So unless you have a monster gain, do you have a monster gain in the house? No, I do not. Yeah. I don't think you're going to probably pay any capital gains tax. And uh, and so just remember the step up in basis. And if you get an appraisal on the home, if you, you, know, if you feel the gain is more than uh, $250,000, I'd get an appraisal on the property just to be sure that if anybody questioned you, um, you know, but if you don't want to, I, I have rarely seen the IRS come in on a relatively small sale under a million dollars and question the the cost basis that you have uh, listed. Okay, very good. I, I think I'm good. All right. Well, I'm sorry to hear for your loss, my friend, and I hope you uh, have a great uh, holiday season throughout it nonetheless. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling, Dave. Take care. Take care. Open across the board, Drew. All right. So we're on an open show, 410-922-6680, 410-922-6680, if you want to call in and ask a question. Um, and it could be anything right now. So far, the state planning questions have been uh, the topic of the day, topic du jour today. And maybe you want to call in and ask about Social Security. That's always a, a hot topic. Uh, you know, we may not be the Social Security uh, representatives from the Social Security Administration, but 
I've dealt with uh, Social Security questions for quite a few years, and uh, and actually, you know, I have a very different take than most of the Social Security people I've heard talk. I do a lot of seminars with um, you know governments and and corporations, and they usually bring a Social Security person in, and those Social Security people are. Uh, constantly hearing them say, you know, yeah, you should take your Social Security as soon as possible. You should not uh, take any chances. And, uh, you know, you, you get all this money that you would have. If you wait, you lose all that money, you know. And I'm like, you know, what you're saying is there's some truth there, but you're missing a large portion of the uh, of the analysis that the person has to do to decide when to take Social Security. So, Anyway, if you want to call in, maybe you have a topic you want to talk about, uh, bring the conversation to 410-922-6680 is the way to call in and ask that question. Uh, any topics that you had, Chris, all prepared to talk about? Uh, yeah, we're not going to talk about fishing. Um, we, well, that's uh, what I was doing today. <laughs> um, yeah, the rare, the rare break away from your desk. Um, uh, and I got my stepson down here, and uh, I was taking him fishing. We caught some really great redfish on, on light tackle, and I'll tell you, that is a fight of the life. You know, if you like the fish, you ought to come on down here and do light tackle with uh, big big bull redfish, and <laughs> you, you'll have the fight of your life. Let me tell you something. They don't like to come to the boat. But anyway, Chris, go ahead. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it's just, you know, it's it, uh, volatility in markets has been noteworthy since July. I mean, it's been obviously the last three years, you know, when people come in, we forget, we forget the, the economy, global economy was shut down, right? Then restarted. And then almost like the big bang was done. They pumped so much money into the thing, but you know, the volatility has been, I, I it may not be as extreme, but July, August, uh, or August, September, October down. And then, uh, November was just a, a booming month, uh, yeah. quite noteworthy. Yeah, and that's a good thing, you know, because uh, November was an up month in a big way. So, you know, you want to see that. You want to see that, uh, you know, you, you want to see it across market. the board. You saw it across the board. And you saw yeah. bank stocks do better. You saw small cap stocks do better. You saw participation a long way. The, uh, the Dow was equal with the S&P. For the month, uh, you know, the Nasdaq was a little ahead, maybe a point, but otherwise, you know, it was, it was a it was a pretty pretty impressive month. Um, and I, I've been saying for some time that uh, the Fed's got to relent. Uh, they're coming into a presidential election year; they know it. I think they've been trying to talk the market down uh, or the economy down. Uh, but they know they have to start, uh, you know, being at least a little more dovish going into 2024 because Federal Reserves do not want to be uh, instrumental in how an election is decided. And they will be if they squish this economy in 2024 uh, for their great inflation crusade. They will determine the election. There are a lot of people out there that might think that's wonderful because they're going to determine it against the party in power right now. Um, but usually Federal Reserves are smart enough to say oh. we want to be neutral. Um, okay, we've got uh, several calls here. Anita's been very busy. So we've got uh, Lindra, Brian, and Jim. So let's go to Lindra first. Lindra, hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. Um, I have a question about Social Security. 
I'm a federal employee, but I'm on a um, the CSRS offset. Yep. And um, I was I, my husband is deceased, and um, I actually have a letter from IRS saying that they would decrease his Social Security if I take it. But when I do my research from OPM, that offset, if I'm reading it correctly, means that they will not decrease his Social Security. Could you help me with that? Well, it's it's complicated. So he had Social Security, right? And you had a CSRS pension, right? Offset, yes. Well, but you, you have a... Do you have a Social Security CSRS pension that well, you got? My, my CSRS offset means that I had, right. I went back after more than a year out of, I had a 23-year break in service. Okay. Okay. So do you have part FERS and part uh, uh, CSRS or all CSRS offset? I have all CSR, um, CSRS offset. Okay, so here's the way it's going to work: is they're going to look at your husband's Social Security for your survivor benefit, and then they're going to look at your CSRS pension, and they're going to say how much of your CSRS pension is considered Social Security because you never paid into Social Security, right? Right. So that's what they're going to look at, and let's say your portion of your CSF, and I don't know this exact, but I think it's something like two-thirds of your pension. They're going to look at what two-thirds of your pension is compared to his survivor benefit. And if it's more, then you'll get nothing extra. If it's less, then you should get some extra from his. And that's how they're going to do it, And you know, between the two. Does that help, Benny? That does help. So that, that's because what they're looking at is you never paid into Social Security, so they want to try to figure out how much of your CSRS pension would have been if you were in Social Security, how much would it have been? And then they want to compare that to what is your survivor benefit from your late husband. And they're going to pull the two together and say whether they're going to give you more or not. As far as I've ever seen, I've, I, you know, at first I thought this was ridiculously unfair, but after I really got to understand it better, I, I actually think that it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty fair the way they've done it. Okay. All right. I, I also pay into Social Security because of when I went back into the government, I now pay CSRS and Social Security. Well, now there's where it gets complicated, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if you're paying into Social Security, now that, that gets complicated. And the question they're going to ask is, how much of your potential Social Security benefit would you get compared to what your survivor benefit would be? Are you still working? I am. So you, you should be able to take survivor benefit uh, without claiming your federal pension if you wanted to if you wanted to retire and just take the survivor benefit and then claim your CSRS pension later after it accumulates higher. Am I making oh, okay. any clear on that? Yeah, that I, I understand what you're saying on that one. Yeah. I got to run, though. I'm really out of time here. so I'm Thank you, sorry. sir. Yeah, good question. Yeah, thanks for calling. Uh, Those are complicated. Brian and Jim, hang a, with us through the break here. Yep. 
We're taking away traffic. This is Drew Tignanelli, and I have a question for you. Is your financial advisor a doctor of personal financial advice? Do you get strategies to reduce taxation, Social Security, Medicare advice, sophisticated retirement planning, investment allocation strategies, estate planning, or help with any issue of money? It is time you do a financial physical with me and my team at the consulate and experience the difference. You hear the depth of knowledge we have about personal finance, so do a financial physical and you'll experience what we believe an advisor should do for you. They should be independent, experienced, credentialed, fee-only, comprehensive fiduciaries. They should be a doctor of personal finance and not salespeople selling you products. Set up an introductory meeting by calling 410-823-SAVE, 410-823-SAVE, or go online, financialphysical.com. That's financialphysical.com. It's time you experience the difference. Now back to more of Money, Riches, and Wealth on Talk Radio 680 WCBM. All right, we're back from Money, Riches, and Wealth. We have a couple of people online. Uh, who's all online, Chris? We might as well go to... We're going first to Brian. All Brian, right. hi. Welcome to the show. Uh, hey, uh, listen, I'm a uh, physical therapist uh, employed in uh, one of the local institutions around town. Okay. Now, I'm thinking of setting up a kind of like a small business on the side, kind of as a therapy therapist consultant, you know. Right. A, a private business on this. And I just want to make sure I don't make mistakes, uh, you know, that I do it right, I, you know, if I pay Medicare taxes and all that. You know, what, what are some of the things I need to be sure that I – that I that I do, uh, you know, as as the income kind of slowly rolls in, I want to be sure at the end of the year that I'm, you know, haven't made any mistakes. <laughs> you know, I'm just yeah. Getting- well, so the first thing you'd want to do is is um, probably form uh, an entity like an LLC. Okay, um, you can do that right online with the state of Maryland. You get your uh, a new tax ID number. Okay. You know, and uh, and then any money that's made goes into that LLC entity. And then you just got to keep track of any income that comes in and any expenses goes out. A lot of people use QuickBooks to do that. Um, but you could just use a simple spreadsheet if you don't expect the income. What do you expect to make in the first year? Uh, 10000 a 100000 No, just something probably five to ten. I mean, not, you know, small to start, I, um, I think. Is there? Is there? Do you? Will you be? Will you? Will you have any risk of liability for what you're doing? Well, yeah, no, I've thought about that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to do everything I can to keep away from that. More just like uh, consulting rather than actually physically getting involved with. Well, if you're if you're not going to have any liability, okay, then you probably don't even need to do the LLC. You can just do a sole proprietorship. You don't have to get a new tax ID number. Just file a Schedule C with your tax return. You just say, I brought in $6,000 of revenue. I had 4000 of expenses. Therefore, I made $2,000 profit. They'll take that $2,000 of profit. They'll apply what's called an SE tax, self-employment tax, to that $2,000, uh, which would equate to something in the neighborhood of, let's call it three, four hundred dollars it's probably three hundred and then uh, you'll still pay income taxes on the two thousand 
but there's lots of things you can do to minimize that tax if you understand it. Like, uh, how old are you? I'm um, uh, 49. 49. Okay, so you know there there are some there are many deductions that you may be able to take that are perfectly legal and legitimate. You just got to make sure that you're covering them all. Um, but that that's what I would do if you're not going to have any real liability. I would just stick with a sole proprietorship, Schedule C, keep track of your income, keep track of your expenses on like an Excel spreadsheet, and at the end of the year, just put it in there, say, this is my net income, make sure you get every deduction you can legally get, and um, it won't be that much in taxes. I would probably, if I make $5,000, I'd be saving 30% of it to be ready to potentially pay taxes. So I've got to pay Medicare taxes? Well, SE tax, it's called self-employment tax. It is Social Security and Medicare. It's the same thing, oh. Oh. but when you're self-employed, you have to pay both sides, the employer side and the employee side, right? So it gets a little complicated. Um, What's but the percent you, on those? Uh... Well, it's 15.3%, but you get deductions. Okay, so it probably to a self-employed person, let's call it like 11% that you're going to net pay, basically. Uh, uh, okay, I guess I'll have to learn what the deductions are, I guess. Uh, yeah, well, the deductions are going to be like driving. Um, oh. Will you be doing it via Zoom from your home? You could take a home office, um, you know. Are you going to buy any equipment? Are you going to, you know, you're going to have a chair or a couch that somebody's going to lay down in? Um, you know, those are all the kind of things that you'd want to think about. Uh, those are going to be your primary expenses. Licenses? Do you have to have any licenses? You know, so there's all kinds of things you could think about for that. You just need a good accountant that can help guide you in that. Okay. Okay. So Medicare and Social. So plan on that. Plan on having that put aside. Yeah. And, I would. I would just say if I if I bring in a thousand dollars, I put three hundred away just in case I have to pay, you know, taxes on it because I don't have that many deductions. If I make ten thousand dollars, I'm going to put three thousand away. You know, it, uh, that should work for you. If your numbers are as low as you're saying, thirty percent should be a good number for now. For the covering all the taxes. Yeah. Okay, so that fifteen point three percent that that that's both sides of it together, yeah, or is it? Yeah, because you're, you as an employee pay seven point six five, so if you're both sides of the equation, it's fifteen point three. But it gets a little complicated. You get a deduction for the uh, expenses that the employer pays of that Medicare tax, or and Social Security tax. And keep in mind, what's your salary at your other job? Well, that's about like uh, I guess it's maybe 52 this year 52 something like that okay so if you made like if you made 170 and you're over the social security limit and then you pick up another 10,000 you wouldn't pay the social security side of that se tax because you've already paid it from the uh the work you're doing but your income's going to be too low that between the two you're still in full social security so that self-employment money i would plan for that 53 percent i mean that uh that 30 percent at least 15.3 percent all right i gotta run i got one more Appreciate caller to take wonderful thank you thanks brian yeah. take care all right jim if you're still there thanks for waiting welcome to the show hey 
Hey, good afternoon. Uh, Jim here out of Easton. Um, yeah. Question. I'm, my wife's meant to retire in January. Well, not yeah. She turned 65 in January. Um, and uh, she's been advised to hold off a year uh, to retire from her job uh, because of the way their pension is structured. Now, if she holds off a year, uh, does the Social Security, uh, if you get that extra percentage, or does that go at 65 and a half? What extra percentage are we talking about? You well, mean, yeah, if, you, she, uh, yeah, so she, if she delays, yeah. every year that she delays, she's going to get a little higher Social Security income. Right? right. Yeah. yeah, well, that's what she's going to do. She'll delay her. Now, how, how old is she? She'll be 65 in January. Okay. So and they want her to defer until January. Yeah, and it'll be next year. Okay. So, so then she would get she would get a little higher Social Security check because she okay. waits. 8% per year, basically, okay? So if she okay. waits a whole extra year, it's 8% higher Social Security. Okay, but it's not based on the 65 and a half when she actually collects. Well, you know, whenever she collects, that, that, that will increase up to that day that she starts to collect. Yeah, well, without, without going into a... Uh, well, you know, that, that All right, that. Drew, we are out of time. We're out of time. Sorry, Jim. Sorry, Jim. We'll take you online here after. Right. Anyway, this is Drew Tignanelli saying God bless. Things are gonna be much better